are back with another episode of Not Your Typical Booty Scratches. Um, it's the end of March, Women's History Month, so we got a lot of good stuff to cover for you guys today. How you feeling, my boy, Pete? I'm good. I'm good. I'm happy that uh, the month is wrapping up. Uh, you know, trying to stay positive. What about yourself? How you Man, feeling? I think that's the best way to put it. Trying to stay positive. Uh, we got these new vaccine rollout plans coming out. Yeah, so you getting the Gucci brand or the... <laughs> <laughs> the Johnson Johnson? Yeah. Oh, no, nah, man. Absolutely not. Um, You're not taking the vaccine at I'm going to get the vaccine, but I'm at uh, this point in the game, I'm not rocking with the Johnson Johnson one just because, like, what research has showed, you okay. know? Um, it's just down, not as... Scared now, right, it's just it? not as effective. I think it's, like, okay. 88% effective, you know, compared to the Moderna and the Pfizer, where it's, like, higher in the 90 percentile, you know? And yep, yep. if I am to get it, let me just... Take that extra step, you know, get that extra vaccine. But, you know, not to get into it too early because we just checking in right now. They're putting that Johnson Johnson one in all of like the minority neighborhoods, you know, Mm. um, as that that first option for people. So get outside, do your research and, you know, try not to get that one if you can. We can't even get the good vaccine. Feel me, bro? That's crazy. I'm proud of this country, bro. I'm not going to lie to you. You see, and I just changed your whole mood. You talking about you was happiest to end yeah, of the boy, month? Yeah, killed my shit. <laughs> my bad, dog. But other than that, like I said, um, the month is progressing. The year is progressing. We about to hop in uh, the second quarter of the year. Yes, sir. Uh, sending positive vibes and energy to everybody. And how's self-care been for you? I know last time we checked in, you was doing the massages and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people hit me up about that, too. Uh... I have been running. I'm a runner. Granted, I don't run like 10 miles, 50 miles and shit like that. Like my white brethren's do. But <laughs> I try to hit. <laughs> I try to hit probably like two to three miles when Thanks. I can. Um, I just got a new therapist. Uh, I started last Monday. So now we're doing, I think, every day or every Monday after five, I meet with him and talk. Um, and trying to find more ways to be positive, trying to find more ways to get out of here. Yeah, I think um, during the work week, I get a lot of my thoughts kind of trapped in my mind. So trying to be more active, trying to sweat more, trying to take everything that's up here and kind of put it out into the world. So mm-hmm. what about you? How you how you keeping up with your mentals? Uh, Man, I'm, to echo your therapy point, I've had a therapist for like the last six or seven months okay. um, meeting with them at least like twice a month. Um, it's a black woman. She's kind of like just really helped put a lot of things into perspective for me. A lot of internal problems that I was having, like she really helped me answer them um, and find out that find out the truth behind a lot of things. So been keeping up with that. It's been helping me. Um, Seven months is a decent amount of time. Salute. Salute. I appreciate that. that. And I really did it just because I kind of realized the importance or the effect of me constantly being in my own head was having on me, you know? And like, there's a lot of things that we don't have the answers to. And that's just kind of cause we don't take the time to focus on them, you know, Mm -hmm. like, cause the answers just be like right in front of us majority of the time. Um, So I think like, I kind of be looking forward to my therapy sessions because I know that that's dedicated time for me to like focus on me. You know, if Mm -hmm. I'm not making the time throughout the course of the week or something like that, like I know I, I got therapy coming up next week. At the least, let me write this down right now so I know I can talk about it at that point in time. Um, That's something I want to get good at, too, is writing shit down. Facts. And I need to kind of 
I'm a real like extroverted introvert, so I, I like I don't have a problem going out, but I value a lot of alone time, and sometimes like with emotions, I'm not really good at sharing that with people. So I think my therapist, kind of to your point, is like a good outlet because shit I don't want to share with motherfuckers, I could just be like, yo, one thousand, yeah, yeah. And to that to that point about extrovert and introvert, it was somebody I want to say maybe less than a year ago who taught me a different like meaning of being an extrovert and introvert. It's more Mm -hmm. so about like what type of person are you to like refuel yourself? You know what I'm saying? So like, Mm. are you, do you need to be by yourself, you know, in order to like re-energize and be able to be around other people? Like that's another way of being an introvert, you know, not necessarily just saying like I'm anti and I always want to be by myself. That's I'm definitely, before you even say the second one, I know that's me for a fact. And that's once I heard that, I'm like, yo, that's me for sure. For sure. Like I, I can't like, I don't know when this happened in my life, but I can't like, once I go out for like a day and mm -hmm. I put a lot of energy into the world, I feel like my battery is just low. I and I just, yeah, I'm just like, bro, like, I just need a day to just kind of, you know what I'm saying? So, But just to speak to the type of people we are, I think yep. that's because, like, we are men of the people, you know what I'm saying? Like, we, like, Facts. people naturally gravitate towards us and our energy. So it's like we kind of get drained by the end of the day because we've been doing so much for other people as you know, just as much as we've been doing for ourselves. So we do need that time for real, for real. I envy people that uh, can be extroverted all the time. Like people that seek that, you know, that it's like, bro, I just need to stay in bed today. I just want to sleep. I just want to listen to my Griselda. And that's it. You know what I'm saying? Just just recharge. Yeah. I value my alone time. I used to think it was because I was the only child, but I just think it's like, yo, people are draining G. Yeah. (laughs) It's just people are draining, yo. That's a fact. That's a fact. You got to, you can be yourself, but you at the same time have to put on like a, fa- a facade more or less, yeah. you know, to be around people, especially for long amounts of time. I know sometimes I'll be smiling sometimes, but I know like behind the mask, I'm just like, bro, I just want my bed. I want my pillow. Turn on my humidifier and just knock the fuck out. Like, Man, I just got a oil diffuser or whatever. One of those aromatherapy things. Are oh, you going crazy? I Bro, think. it was a gift. It was <laughs> a gift. They live in Erica Badula. <laughs> <laughs> nah, dog. But I've been light. I've been setting that up. I've been lighting candles to start my morning. Like my OG got Yo. me this little ginger, like orange therapy candor. candles. Candles are a cheat code. Yes. Man. No cap. Yeah. No facts, cap. Like facts, I've been facts, facts. sipping my coffee and turning on the candle to start the morning. And it's just a different vibe. Like, it's definitely... It's calm. Yeah. yeah. Facts, facts. So, that's me in a nutshell. I'm happy we about to start Q2. Uh, weather's opening up. It's Sun getting better. Out. Sun yep. is out. World is opening up, I think. With all of that being said, we can't forget the real that's happening in this world. I think that's a great segue into, like, yep. what's been going on. Because just because vaccines are coming and the weather's getting nice we can't forget that there's brutality of all sorts still happening so yeah with that being said i mean we could hop right into it yeah um let's let's talk about kind of the state of our country and you know some of the events that have been happening um across the u.s i'm sure a lot of people kind of know about the two mass shootings um one that occurred in uh, georgia a uh, second one that occurred in Orlando. I think they're about a week apart. Facts. Um, both of the um, 
I guess the shooters were both men that were 21 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, both committed their crimes with assault rifles. Um, I know in Atlanta, um, it kind of the events occurred at um, Asian spas. So the shooter basically went on a spree. He went to like a suburb in outside of Atlanta, then kind of drove to Atlanta and committed his crimes. I think a total of eight people died. Um, sick. Yep, it is, bro. Six of them being of Asian descent. Um, and uh, in Colorado, I think the guy killed 10 people. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just want to kind of get your thoughts about how do you feel about kind of, you know, just our country and the second amendment and, you know, with people, you know, even in some states, motherfuckers get to carry around rifles, like in Ohio, like you can basically walk around with a fucking AK. Like, how do you feel about that in our country? And yo, I think they're like, I'm all for carrying weapons yeah i think chicago for sure you know what i'm saying that's a chicago answer for sure and and all with self-defense in mind you know what i'm saying and with that being said i think we need to establish like a better process for like those who obviously are getting these guns legally like Mm -hmm. to really figure out your mental like well-being or like your mental state you know like make they're like a an annual renewal of your gun card or something like that where you go through like some type of mental test because mm-hmm. I think way too often we downplay like these mass shootings that happen by like white people. I'm just <laughs> say yeah. that. <laughs> they, they don't have to mince that one. You bro. know, like we downplay it and we immediately go to mental health and their mental well-being. So it's like, all right, since we see that as a recurring thing, y'all immediately send black people to jail or shoot them, you know, when they do something like this, you know, and there hasn't been any proactive thing. All right, let's start, you know, like jail is the solution. Let's start figuring out what's wrong with these people's mental health, Mm -hmm. you know, if they want to continue to own guns. So I don't know. I, I think you should monitor like who gets on it. We can't do shit about the ones that are on the streets illegally at the end of the day, like. Shit, if you watch Snowfall, like, you damn near see that this is, like, some, a plot by the government. So, like, no, I know, even though in Chicago, like, you know how we be having the, uh, the freight, freight trains, trains and motherfuckers be running yeah. into, like, I seen a video of that shit. And I, used to, and I used to always think that shit wasn't real until I saw a video. I'm like, okay, like, it's real. people are spotting out that these guns are coming at this time. Niggas know, like, it's a whole it's kind a of system. scheme. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. how programming works, man. Like, that is... Facts. And we can't downplay the fact that all of this is controlled by the government in one way, shape, or form, you know, as far as the legality and the illegal ones that are coming to the street. So with that being said, just put some more control under under it, you know, like, oh, yeah, that's that's my thoughts. How you feel about that shit, man? Man, first of all, rest in peace to all those victims. Um, Yes. And I also just read a story this week about, uh, you probably saw this too, about a dude that worked at Instacart, he went to the bathroom and he said he saw like a rifle hanging out the bathroom <laughs> stall and heard a nigga loading up ammunition. And, you know, he went and told the supermarket <laughs> people like, yo, it's basically, it's like a nigga in there with a automatic. About to go ape shit. Yeah, and, and just shit like that, man. And it's, 
And to your point, something I wanted to talk about um, is just kind of like people, non-people of color get the benefit of the doubt all the time when it comes to mass shooting. So I don't get it. Dylan Roof, when he went to the fucking black church and he killed all them people, I think they said he probably had a problem. Uh, buddy that uh, did the crime in Atlanta saying that he had a sex addiction. So <laughs> like, get you up, man. So it's just, they always get the benefit of the doubt. And again, I think we need to kind of police more how and who we sell these rifles to. Like to your point, like I have no problem with people exercising their second amendment. Right. But at the same time, it's like if cops, if the regular officer doesn't have a fucking automatic rifle, why should a person, <laughs> person yeah, facts, you know what I'm saying? The, the thing is fucked up. Like, like, why do you feel the need to, to have that? Yeah. Just like the the amount of damage you can inflict with just that gun in itself is crazy. So I'm not a fan of it. Um, and again, this is something that's not new. Uh, I saw a tweet, too, that was like once, you know, like with the Sandy Hook with the kids and mm-hmm. shit, how it was a mass shooting. It was like once America was cool with that, like once kids dying after automatic rifles is okay and acceptable by the country. Now it's like, it's standard. Like you hear about a mass shooting, bro. You just go about your day. You just go about your day. It just, it happened to me. So, and I just think it's real tragic and it just speaks volumes to um, our country. And bro, America is like the laughing stock of like the world. If we want to be completely honest, like we have so much, you know, like so much opportunity, bro. But it's just like, (laughs) <laughs> at, at it, what cost at, like, you know what I'm saying like I don't get it bro like I'm as we see right now I'm just lost for words I couldn't figure out like yeah, what I wanted to say it's, it's a lot it's a lot to take in it's a lot to process and it's just like we're immune to this shit bro it's like now is man I hate to say it but like you see some shit like that and you scroll or you just see anything in America like and you scroll cause it's it's so much for the human brain to take in it's like damn it's a shooting today then two days later it's yep. a shooting the next day and then in chicago it's you know what i'm saying old people getting shot on the west side and it's just like it's so much to process and like you said this country is a joke sometimes man and it's hard to kind of be patriotic when you know motherfuckers is going into salon salons and shooting people and blaming it on sex addiction like, yeah that don't make sense it don't make no type of sense man and i mean all. these stories unfortunately all be based in like some type of racial hate because like we can just look at everything that's been going on with you know asian hate as of late you know like it's (laughs) i feel bad because when i first saw it i laughed but just look at the small thing like jeremy jeremy lynn in games being called like coronavirus Coronavirus, you know what i'm saying like that that stuff not cool you know like i don't get it like why why are we hating on somebody because of where they're from because yeah. of how they look you know and and not because of who they are as a person you know like this person never wronged you for real for real not at and all. if somebody of their same you know ethnic background did how can you credit this one person for it you right. know that that whoever wronged you doesn't speak for the whole body so i think we need to like if it's a thing of all right take away all types of gun rights so that we can address this just natural hate that people have and like figure out solutions with that then i'd be down for that too because at the end of the day the people who are committing these crimes like Mm. 
it was based on how they fucking grew up, shit that they read, like them not being mentally all together. And it's a bigger problem than just owning the gun, you right, know? Right, right, right. So, I love that, bro. And I just, man, it's, we got to do something, man. Like, um, I think it does start with the person. I think the gun is just a tool, but like everything, the propaganda that you're filling people's brain with and, I don't know, man. I think racism is a disease, honestly. Like, I never look at anybody, whether Asian, Indian, white, you black, whatever. I Like, racism doesn't process in my mind at all, bro. Like, it, it's a disease. Like, Facts. how can you look at the next man and be like, damn, like, I don't like you. Like, I, I, growing up, I've never had that, bro. I never looked at somebody and been like, oh, because you're this or your skin is this color or you talk like this or... You have an accent. I don't fuck with you. Like, I go off a of character. Like, what do you show me? Okay, you cool. You could mm-hmm. be Asian. You could be white. You could be Hispanic. Like, for me, it's personality. But this country's conditioned people to be like, basically, like, oh, he's black. Let me clutch my purse. He's black. Let me go ahead and close his elevator door. He's black. Let me cross the street. Like, it'd be little, little you know things, what I'm saying? Bro. Little shit like that. So, we gotta do better as a country. I hate That's that it. we live here and have to go through that shit. But yeah, man. I guess one step, this is a perfect segue into this new step of we call reparations, you know, as the country is trying to help us out. Evanston, Illinois. Yep. Just did just did something, you know, what most would consider great, you know, as as a step in the right direction. You want to give people a little bit more context about that? Yeah. So Evanston uh, is introducing a bill in July, basically um, giving residents or I guess descendants of residents from Evanston between like 19, I want to say 19 and 1960, um, reparations. I hate that word. Yeah. I hate that word. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you, but basically it's a loaded word. It is. It is. Yes. It is. Yep. And basically, um, they, the city of Evanston hired their own researchers to kind of look into, um, you know, injustice against people of color mm-hmm. in Evanston. And what they found was that um, one of the main areas of, like, prejudice was in the housing market in, in Evanston. So basically what Evanston was like was like, yo, if you're a descendant of somebody that lived in Evanston from 1920 to 1960, um, we're giving you guys $25,000 to put into basically housing. So whether it's, like, um, purchasing a home or um, fixing up your home, here's $25,000. And um, they're generating the money basically because I think weed is legal in Evanston now. So now they're taxing the dispensaries mm, and shit. Okay, okay. From that. So they're using that money to fund that. And um, it passed damn near unanimously. I think it was eight to one with only one person who was a woman of color being against it. Um so, yeah, that's just kind of the synopsis of it. Uh, how do you feel about reparations in general? And reparations aren't anything new, by the way. Like, yeah. we've been having reparations in the U.S. But how do you feel about reparations in general? And I personally do believe that, at the very least, African Americans are deserve deserving of some form of reparations just because... This country was built on the backs of Africans, African Americans. Mm-hmm. And like when we take a look at what was given to like the likes of the Native Americans, you know, like Facts. there's a bunch of 
positive benefits that they have in this world due to reparations. When we look at the the LGBTQ community, like granted, we like it hasn't been verbally uh, what is it described as reparations, but the mm-hmm. rights. And the way, you know, progressive movements that have been given to them, you know, are forms of reparations due to the segregation and outcast that they had to live through. So, like, I do believe that what's happening in Evanston is progress in the right direction. Um, But I am also one of those people who's out here like, yo, like, let's just stop looking for handouts at this point. Yeah, that's my kind of... You know, like... Yeah, it's great. Like, I'm happy that they're doing it. But at the end of the day, we should be trying to figure out, like, how to do it without these folks anyway. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's empower our communities. Let's, like, build, 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 you know, like, keep putting money into it. Because as we see how long it took for them to do this, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And they only did it because they got extra bread from taxing weed dispensaries. You know, like. Gee, and that's that's my problem, bro. I think. Too many times, like, when there's a problem, white people, or I guess the bodies that be, their first reaction or solution is, let's throw money at it. Let's throw money at it. Uh, George Floyd family, wrongful death, let's throw money at it. Breonna Taylor, let's throw money at it. But the money is cool. Like, it's great. It, it, it does help. But let's, like you said, get some policies that actually change shit. Like, let's... Let's get something that actually influences. Like, money is cool, but, Mm -hmm. like, the lady that uh, is a congresswoman or that's part of the uh, opposition to the reparations bill in Evanston, her thing was, like, she voted no against it because it's like, yeah, I'm giving you $25,000, but it's a limited twenty five k. Like, you can only use it for housing. It's not like, I just give you twenty five k. you could do what the fuck you want with twenty five k. So is it really reparations? You feel me? Like, is it really, is it, like, do you really have freedom to do what, and $25,000, like, I'm not going to cap, like, I'm rich, but 25000 ain't a lot, bro. Like, bro, that, that's fixing your bathroom, let's yeah, be honest. Yeah, really, it's probably, like, to be 100 with you, bro, it's probably, like, seven niggas that ever seen who have family from the 19th, <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? Thanks. So who's really getting this bread, and can we really spread this twenty five k to, to more people and let's get some laws in in place to like reduce discrimination and something mm-hmm. you brought up too bro that is important like even like uh post-slavery like how we got to go through jim crow and shit like that and how that basically like squeeze black economic freedom so like it's like damn we had to yep. overcome slavery but now we have to overcome legislation that's holding us back, too. So it's just like all these uphill battles that we have to fight. So let's get some laws and let's get some Man. shit in place to really help the people. And on that note, bro, it's like we need those legislations. But mm-hmm. like think about the types of people who get elected into government. Right. You know, like we... 400 years later and we are just now breaking grounds and we and we are still seeing first such and such, you know, followed by some type of minority category into, you know, into these elected positions. And it's like those are the only ones who essentially understand the plight of the black communities. Mm -hmm. And it's taking forever for them to get in these seats. And they need to be the majority 
in order for something to be put into effect. Because as of right now, we still have 50-year-old, 60-year-old, 70-year-old, old non-minority people in those seats who don't really, like, uh, on paper, they'll understand, like, the ramifications of, you know, some of the legislations that they put in. But, like, if they go into these communities, they won't understand it and they won't see, like, what this actually means because they don't like they're not from it. And these niggas be falling asleep in the damn meetings. Right. Like, seeing these little C SPAN videos, you niggas be knocked out. Knocked out. out. <laughs> so it's like crazy, man. I, crazy. That's what we need, but that shit's gonna take forever, buddy. Uh, it is, bro. <laughs> it, 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 it sucks. That, it sucks because you, the voting people in the office is a tough job, bro. And, and it falls on the people as well. Like, we really got to show up and show up for our people. Like We can't just go out to vote for president. Facts. We said it in, in one of our we first did, episodes. You got to go out and vote locally. Because, like, once you start to understand what that does for you, then you'll begin to put bigger, like, all the dots together and put that puzzle together and figure out, all right, so I just helped make a change in my neighborhood, like, by voting for my alderman. Mm-hmm. Next step is, all right, I'm about to vote for the mayor, you know, and I'm about to see what they really doing and like how does that affect what the aldermen just did? Ooh, it's a domino effect, bro. Like, let me let me ask you this because I'm curious uh, what your answer is going to be. What do you think the gap is between like why we want to go out and vote for a president, but we don't want to? Like, what is it about? Is it just because it's mainstream, or like what do you think? What's like the gap as to like why we could show up and vote for an Obama or vote for a Kamala, but in our own backyards, like we don't feel that same type of urgency to yeah, think about all the money urgency. that goes out for these national presidential campaign campaigns. Facts, facts. They have the bread to have TV, social media, pay people to be on the corner, go register to vote, et cetera, et cetera. Like, and like Clinton, there's a bunch of initiatives. Right. <laughs> right. You know, like there's a like bunch, that. a bunch of initiatives. Whereas on a local level, bro, like, Alderman Williams ain't got that much bread <laughs> to send everybody out. That you feel me? Fact. You know what yeah, I'm saying? That, to go spread the importance of doing that. And like at the end of the day, being from these spots, we still sit at the crib and we like, damn, gee, we still don't got a fucking Starbucks on the corner. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? What does it really matter if I go vote? Like, damn, gee, somebody still just got popped on the corner. You know what I'm That's saying? Right. Like, yep. is that really going to make a change? So you... Ultimately, our program to think the only real change that's going to happen is if I change who my president is. Mm. When that is the furthest... This trickle down yeah, is crazy. Yeah, you know? Yeah. So, that's how, that's how I view it. I, I agree a thousand percent. I think it's a money play, too. Um, and I just feel like, like you said, like, you put so much money behind these people, you're basically making them celebrities. But like you said, like an Alderman Williams <laughs> from the 35th War, like... You're just a regular motherfucker. Like you, you just, uh, uh, you got a small ass office um, on the west side somewhere, and he doesn't. He was have on that. the train with you. Yeah, you <laughs> feel me? And he don't. He don't have that money. You funny. <laughs> he don't have that money. He don't have that money behind him to make him like a a staple. Like he don't have, um, you know, like you probably say my best friend Lori Lightfoot, <laughs> man. Yourself. She right. You don't have that money to kind of put these people on a pedestal. So it's hard for you to be like, damn, like. Oh, I see you on a commercial. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I can I can relate to you. These people are like obscure, basically. So, yep. yeah, yeah, man, we say it all the time. We got to be the change we want to see. I love that. Yep.
This next segment we got coming up is some women who are out here living out the changes that they want to see in their industries. Um, so, yeah, be back in a few. Yep. And we are back. Um, like we opened up with, it's Women's History Month. Uh, month is wrapping up. And for this episode, we wanted to let you guys hear from, you know, some strong black women who are breaking ground in their respective, you know, fields. Um our first guest is a creative director who has worked on, you know, a variety of television shows. She's curated, you know, fashion shows and other events around the city of Chicago. And, you know, she's helped put together some of her own podcasts. Um, that's Cindy Beasley. Okay. Hello. How's it going, hey. Miss Beasley? Cindy. It's going well, Mr. Conte. Hello, Peter. How are What's you? What's going on? I'm good. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for joining us today. Um... So we just, you know, mentioned that it is black, um, not black women's month, but it's women's women's month. And for this episode, we wanted to bring on some strong black women who are doing a damn thing in their fields and respective industries. We spoke to, you know, you being a creative director, somebody who helps with video production, event creation. And first and foremost, wanted to just give you the opportunity to talk to the people, introduce yourself, um, let us know who you are. And then take it from there. We want to give you your flowers. <laughs> well, I can still smell them. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you. That's important. Um, well, my name is Cindy. I think you pretty much touched on everything. I'm a creative director. I own and manage my own small production company based out of Chicago. Um, right now, I'm primarily working in television. Uh, typically, it's in television production. Um, I'm also dabbling in the locations department these days. Uh, love digital media production. Um, one of my favorite types of projects to work on are podcasts and visual podcasts. I think they're super dope. I love good conversations, good people, good vibes. The right way. So what got you into, I guess, the industry? Like, how did you know that this is something I want to take to the next level? I want to focus in on and and really just boss up? I think I've always kind of known it, at least since, um, I'd say, like, my later grade school years. I always know I wanted to work in entertainment somehow. Um, I was always really good, like, in front of the mic or in front of the camera, but I never actually desired to be there. Um, I like kind of working behind the scenes and putting things together. i say as I got older, like, I just kept finding um, different little opportunities to coordinate something or to help plan something. Um, I have a, I guess a keen sense for organization when it comes to like events or something like that. And then I want to start right out of college. Like I randomly got this opportunity to fill in for a friend who couldn't PA for black ink crew. And that's how I got into TV. Um, I like filled in for a friend and, hit it off with the production coordinator there, um, made some really dope connections, kind of kept getting jobs from there, which grew into other um, opportunities. Like, I, you can only PA for so long. If you've ever been a PA, you know, they treat you like shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, I, was, I will say I was blessed to be around some people who, who could have treated me worse than they didn't. Um, I met some really dope women especially some really dope black women. I'm forever thankful for that. Shout out to Savetta and Rachel. Um, and, you know, from there, like, it grew into production manager jobs. And like I said, I started doing my own thing. Um, Abdullah, working with you and your company, Sincerely Richard, 
gave me a lot of like creative direction. Uh, I would say experience and and that sort. Um, working with what's the word is definitely up my production and director skills and things like that. So. You you said um, something kind of interesting, and I want to hi- not highlight it, but have you expand on it for a bit. It is challenging being a black woman, especially, you know, in production and in TV. So, like, could you talk to us about some of the challenges that you faced and, you know, how have you overcome it or, like, how are you overcoming them? Because we know it's probably never going to stop. <laughs> yeah, I say um, being a woman first automatically puts you at a disadvantage. Uh, misogyny is real. Patriarchy is real. Um, and it's like the same things I found that men adore me for, they hate me for. You know, it mm. it catches them off guard when I'm straight into the point and or I have like a quick solution, but then they mad or like low key feel some type of way that today I didn't get to stroke their ego and I solved the problem instead of letting the man do it. Um, so being being a one, no offense to y'all, you know, <laughs> I'm gonna speak candidly. Um, <laughs> But, you know, so being a woman in that sense, like, it kind of sucks, but you just got to, you know, I'm, I'm treating people you're working with with respect and, and making them feel good is always a part of the job. But at the end of the day, that making you feel good isn't always my top priority is getting the job done. So if That's I'm not sure. disrespecting you or intentionally hurting you in doing that, your feelings getting hurt because a woman did it better is a personal problem, bro. Um, and then I'd say, you know, being a black woman that's doubly on it, you know, and I have worked on some crews, uh, most crews that were predominantly white, um, and were predominantly white older men. And that's a hell of an experience. Uh, I can only imagine. It, it just, you know, I don't, it's, you know, you try to be politically correct. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but sometimes like, bro, y'all gotta be fucked up. Like, I just really think that. I think they have this inclination, you know, to automatically assume that I'm inexperienced, especially because I'm young too. Like age plays a big role. Like I've worked on crews with older black women and they'll get a little bit more respect from, you know, than me. And it's clearly because they're older, but we all kind of still get talked to in the same way. Um, And seeing them stand their ground and encourage me, you know, to stand mine has been very helpful. Like if anything, I think a sense of community, if you can, even if you just find one person to build it with really helps as a black woman when you're in a challenging industry. Right. That's some great points there. Um, I think as two young black men trying to break in this industry, we learning the ins and outs of damn selves, how to be racially and politically (laughs) correct. Um, But it's nice to hear that from you and we know it it's never going to stop so just keep pushing and keep being as best as you can be um anything you want to holler at so Cindy uh I wanted to ask you a question kind of um related to your profession um so can you speak on kind of you know the influences of like women like Issa Rae um, you know, with her signing her new deal and Ava DuVernay, kind of what she represents and, you know, kind of where you see yourself um, in terms of what those women do and kind of their influence on uh, you and your profession. Yes, yeah, that's a dope question. Um, I would say like using Issa as the example, I'd say she's what I eventually aspire to be. 
um, you know, just someone whose content speaks for itself is respected enough for these large companies want to give her these deals and, you know, give her creative freedom and, um, you know, writer's rights and executive production opportunities. Like, it's dope. Um, and I believe that she has the ideas to do it, you know, has experienced enough where she can take her, her authentic experiences and turn them into something we can all enjoy and relate to. Um, and that's ultimately, you know, where I want to go. Um, I say ultimately because at the moment, like I go back and forth with this love hate relationship for working in television. Mm. Um, and it's just kind of like how I spoke to like TV is a hell of an industry and um, just not even, you know, the Hollywood dream is real. Like you can go, you can make it like, it can be worth it, but you sacrifice a lot working in that industry. Um, TV specifically, you know, entertainment as a whole is a different beast. But from my experience, TV is kind of like my least favorite um, division of entertainment just because, you know, maybe you make buku bucks, but people treated you like shit along the way to get there or um, the average day on set is like minimum 12 hours for most TV shows. So it's just like me being young and having other goals that I want to accomplish too. Like right now I'm not necessarily trying to spend 12 hours a day on set. Like <laughs> I still want some, some time to kick it or maybe even work on something else. Like, you know, I aspire to, to, to have kids and a husband as well as still be, you know, a boss. So it's just like, not to say you can't do both because you can. I'm just not a, a person that believes in complicating things that don't have to be complicated. So if I can be in a position where I'm blessed enough to not have to do it the traditional way, I'm always going to take that route. Um, and I think people think I'm a little crazy for it, but sometimes I think I'm a little crazy for it, but it works for me, you know, like, mm. and I was like, even people like Ava, like, you know, doing films and, and being a film director and, and, and a respected one at that, like, ton of work you know everybody sees the finished project and it's so dope and it's so great you have such a great mind but that lady gave more than just her thoughts to that you know the time that you have to give and um she's someone who actually recently learned didn't necessarily have a traditional trajectory either like she from my understanding she didn't go to film school and i think she wrote her first film when she was like 33 mm -hmm. you know like that's in this industry, that's hard. It's people that's like starting right out of high school or in college. This, I gotta go to film school. I gotta do this. And if we're being honest, it's an industry you really don't need degrees in. You know, it's, it's if anything, it's more about the connections you make. Um, like I got a, a master's in leadership for creative enterprises. Gave me dope opportunities. And, and to this day, I have friends that in the industry that I probably wouldn't have, you know, without that experience. Um, but nobody can like, teach you you know how to make your brain think outside the box they can give you some mm -hmm. tips um you know and they can give they can kind of help you see a structure or maybe what you need to do from a legal standpoint but your creative light bulb is is sparked from who you are and what you experience um so i say all That's that to say right like there. women like women like Issa, like i think they're dope um you know i I do believe that we could sit at the same table one day and I love to see it, sis. Um, you know, but it's whether I'm manifesting that one right there. Real. Speaking to existence. You will hey, be girl, at the table hey. with her. Um, <laughs> and they're gonna be celebrating your accomplishments. For sure. Oh, thank you. I, yeah. I, I do hope to see that to see that come true for sure. So, you know, they're they're an inspiration for sure. Um 
whether you know we claimed it already i'm gonna make it there but whether i make it to that table or not it's it means a whole lot to see black women all there and receiving not only the acknowledgement but the opportunity and power that they deserve to receive the right way well said well said thank right. you for that no problem well do you have any um words of advice or inspiration for you know, maybe the youth or any other viewers out there. Oh man, that's tough. Somebody's laughing. <laughs> Again, you ready <laughs> now? What's your slogan? What you going with? Um, well, my I do have a slogan actually. So funny you say that. Um, <laughs> and it's just hard, not impossible, and I and that just mm. speaks life. There's a lot of things in life that are hard, but so often we get discouraged, you know, by how difficult they are, but. Just because something is, is hard and it's taking a lot out of you doesn't mean it's impossible. Um, I really can't think of anything in life that I genuinely believe is impossible. <laughs> you guys should boy that if I want something. This, there's a way we can do it, I promise. Man, that's a fact. Um, I like that. So you know, key, uh, yeah. We can do it if we just rearrange this. Like, yeah. um, So I, I, that, that's my slogan. Just no matter how hard it's just hard, not impossible. But I would, I would definitely, you know, the youth, I, I think about um, people I love and, and my family, like, it's, I don't know, I feel like there's a lot of things to say, but trying to, trying to pick the right one or just a combination, like, I guess I would say it's never too late. Um, and, and that's, you know, whether that's getting started on something, whether that's, you know, getting, something rearranged like reality is you know sometimes maybe an opportunity has passed but mm. it's never too late to find another one or to you know learn the lesson from that missed opportunity like and and you always have a choice I'll, I'll go with that one I'll end with that one my, my dad tells me that a lot like from the small he'll tell me on small stuff though but it means so much because he'll be like oh you know can you take your dad to the store and I'll be like well do I have a choice and he's like you always have a choice <laughs> And that's facts. Like, I could be that child that's like, oh, no, dad, like, I can't, you know, whatever. But, like, you know, you got to you you always have a choice, but not even just to be a good person, to be a good friend, to be a good kid, whatever, like to 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 do something in life. You know, I know so many people that literally came from nothing, but you have a choice if you're going to stay in nothing. And, you know, and, and after a certain point, you have to remember that. That's a fact. That that reminds me of something Rick Ross said. Um he was like, you basically, you're your own CEO, you yeah. know, so all your choices that you make kind of reflect like you as a CEO, like what would you do for yourself? So that was very, very, very well said, Cindy. Thank you, well, Cindy, we truly, truly appreciate you and giving us a few minutes every time today. Um, let the people know where they could find you um, if, you know, they want to reach out or anything of that nature. Well, I'm really bad with social media, but, you know, I'm on Instagram um, at Sweet Cindy's. Uh, it's Sweet and then S-I-N-D, you know, try to be a little creative. Um, that's about it. I'm weird on Twitter, so I don't promote my Twitter. And <laughs> <laughs> catch me where y'all can, man. Uh, website, morallysinfulproductions.com. Um uh, yeah, so and, and when you find my personal Instagram, everything I'm connected to is right there in the bio. So please feel free to check it out, follow the business page, all of that. One love.
Much appreciated, Cindy. Thank you so much, Cindy. Thank you for having me, and I wish you all the best. I love what you are doing with the podcast. I am just so proud of both of you. <laughs> thank you. Thank appreciate you. Appreciate you. You're part of the journey forever. Appreciate you. See y'all. Thank you. All right. Yep. Bye-bye. Okay, so, Christine, thank you for joining us today. Um, welcome to, your, to our podcast. Um, we're excited to have you. Um, so we brought you on basically because, you know, as you know, March is Women's History Month. Um, and I thought you'd be the perfect guest to bring on, um, kind of based on what you do, uh, your bubbly personality, um, and just a woman I respect. And you're just an awesome person. So um, we just wanted to speak to you, kind of get your perspective on things. So um, do you mind telling our guests who are listening and or watching um, a little bit about yourself, um, your profession, kind of what you do on a day-to-day basis, and um, what what it's like to be a woman in your field. So take your time. I know it's a lot of just throughout you. So <laughs> no. just a quick intro as to uh, who you are and what you do yeah. would be great. Yeah, thank you so much for all the kind words. Um, I appreciate <laughs> being here. Um, my name is Christiane Cunningham. I'm a therapist at the Family Institute at Northwestern University. Um Ultimately, like who I am, I'm just, I've known y'all forever. So, you know, I'm just a black girl from Chicago, (laughs) Um, just who's passionate about social justice and mental health. So I particularly focus on working with um, youth and adolescents, uh, just because, like, I remember what it was like to be young and black and to feel depressed or to feel sad or not really know that you were feeling depressed, but know that, like, shit wasn't right. Right. and not having anywhere to go with that or anything to do with that. And um, I felt like I was one of those people who was actually lucky enough to kind of know what I wanted to do early on. Um, I really only either wanted to be like a singer or a therapist. And I can't really sing that well. So (laughs) I had to go this route. (laughs) Um, And ended up in mental health working with young people because like I think Frederick Douglass has a quote that's something like... um, it's easier to build healthy children than to like fix broken adults. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I like working with young people because if you get them early, if you get them understanding that like seeking out mental health resources, especially for black kids, right? Cause like, that's not something that we are taught is something that we can do um, or that we should be doing. So if you teach them early that like, yo, it's okay to get help. It's okay to look for help. Therapy is not something that you should shy away from then when they reach adulthood and adulting gets really hard, they're like, they oh, already know. I can go see a therapist for this. This is right. fine. Yeah. That's amazing. And I think we talk about all the time, bro, how it all starts with, like, kids. You know, it all starts with, like, the crib, more or less. So I love the fact that you understood that and, like, you made this a, a lifetime profession, like, based on passion. Like, that's that's what's up. Definitely. Like, I remember when I applied to grad school the first time um, in one of my essays, I was writing, like, I remember being young and watching my mom, like, sleep the weekends away for, like, a period of time. I can't even, I can't remember, like, how long it was, but I remember, like, Saturday, Sunday, like, my mom was asleep and unavailable. And it wasn't until I got to college that I realized, oh, Shorty was depressed. (laughs) Like, that's what that was. I thought that she was just tired, which, I mean, depression is being tired but like another joke that I make right now is like 
I had the audacity to complain about like leftovers and shit when my mom like went to work and dealt with white people and then came home and fed me and did all this Man, extra stuff. We talk about and so, like, all the time, I just bro. Thought, right. <laughs> and so I just thought that like she was tired. But what I realized was like she was tired because she was depressed and there was just a lot of other shit going on. But um, that's something that nobody talked about. Like, it Hold was on. just normal. We, we opened up talking about how like it's draining to have to give yourself to All people. You know what I'm saying? And like, well, we, me and Peter and even my boy TJ, who's in the studio with us, we talk about it all the time. Like, how did our parents do it? You know, like raising kids, having to go to work, having to deal with our extracurriculars and all of that. And we had the audacity to complain about, oh, yo. man, I'm, I feel guilty to this day, bro. <laughs> you like, know <laughs> Like, they, they went it's through crazy. some real stuff that it took for us to get older. Like you said, oh, my mom was, I thought she was just tired, but she was actually depressed. You know, like, life was just smacking her, and she ain't, you know, ain't have anything ain't other to do to sleep. Once, right, you bro. know? Ain't complain once. So, yeah. That ass. Yeah, like, it's just, I think about it a lot. I'm like, so my mom had me when she was 28, and now I'm going to be 30, like, at the end of the year, and I'm like, mm, I couldn't have no kids. Like, I don't know how you did that, <laughs> yeah. sis. Yeah. I don't know how you did how you that. Did it. Yeah, for real. <laughs> truth, it's truth. A blessing. Single it's too at that. Like, mm -mm, couldn't mm. be me. Couldn't yeah. be me. So I mean, with that, with that being said, like, what are some of the challenges that you think you've faced, like dealing with? I guess we call them like kids or like teens, because you you have your own perspective of like, all right, when I was, you know, their age, this is how I view things. And then you also have like your grown up perspective on things and like your educated perspective. So like, what are some of the challenges that you face like dealing, you know, with your clients or just being like a black woman in your industry? Yeah, definitely. So I think one of the newer challenges that has just come up in this last year is transitioning to telehealth. So like um, March of last year, my organization switched completely to telehealth because we, we had to. Um, and we're still doing that because like they're slowly but surely going back to the office. But working with young people this way um, has been trash, honestly, in some capacities, mostly because in the office as a like a younger professional and a younger therapist, like I had the luxury of being the cool adult in their life. Mm -hmm. Um, Cause like I still understood the lingo for the most part. Although like now I recognize I'm getting old. They say that. I'm like, Damn, I don't know what that means. Right. I'm like fuck, I'm aging out here. But they turn um, everything into acronyms. If I can just say that, and I hate it. I they hate do. It. I hate it. They do. I'm like, oh my gosh. But anyway, um, so like now it's kind of difficult because because they're online all day, like at school, right? Um, unfortunately it feels as though sometimes I've just become another adult in their life. That's making them be on screen mm, talking about stuff that they don't want to I talk about. Um, so that has definitely been a challenge within the last year. Um, and particularly for like younger kids. Cause I like to work with kids who are like 10 and up. Okay. Um, mostly because younger kids, they take a lot more patience that I don't have. Yeah. Um, and it's really hard to engage them over the computer. Right. So like, they're not necessarily trying to sit still and tell Miss Crescane about her problem, about their problems. They're like, let me, let me take over the screen. Let me put up the whiteboard. Let me like share my screen and do this. Um, so that's been a challenge, but to your point about like being in the middle of their parents um, and them, I kind of just use that as an, as my, to my advantage. Um, so I'll be like, 
listen, like there are some times when your parents are OD, like they're crazy. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. Your parent yeah. is tripping. <laughs> <laughs> However, I, I the same story that we were just talking about, about how like you get older and you're like, damn, like I was tripping. I'm like, you mm. will get to a point where you'll realize that your parents were responding or behaving in a certain way because of because of life. Like they just have more life experience than you and they know more than you. So I try to teach my young people how to advocate for themselves with their parents. And then on the back end of that, teaching their parents how to actually listen to their kids Mm. when they're advocating for themselves. Um, And so trying not to like use too much of my experience because I don't want to end up projecting on kids, right? Because we're not the same, but also just like naming that at the forefront and being like, hey, so this is what it was like for me. Does it feel like that for you? What feels different? Uh, what would you like to do different? What do you resonate with? What do you not resonate with? And then going from there. Um, and as far as just like being a woman and a black woman in the field, it depends, right? So I'm fortunate enough that more often than not, a lot of my clients are black. Mm. Um, and that's been important to me because that's why I got into the field. Of course, I'm open to seeing and treating everyone. However, my focus will forever and always be black people number one, right? And then other communities of color, especially, because we're like marginalized and not listened to often. Um, So in that regard, I don't face too many challenges because a lot of my clients do look like me, but I have had some clients who don't look like me. um, And this happened more like when we were working in the office, when like you would come in the waiting room and they would see me and it'd be like, oh, I wasn't expecting you. Yeah. And you can like sense that pause. You can sense that um, that hesitation of just like the hmm. skepticism a little bit. The, and... Thank you. That's the best word. The skepticism mm-hmm. of working with somebody that looks like me. Um, and when those clients have that, if it lingers, we usually don't last very long. Go figure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah. So like there's that. And then I've also had to deal with clients like saying the N word who are not black. And being mm, like during no. recessions, really? Yeah. Wait, yeah. clock out real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were on this session real quick, real quick. Yeah, it was like it was the best part about it was it was like the first day of Black History Month, and I was wow. just like, "This is Couldn't what we wait doing? to make it to therapy that day." Man. Yeah, I'm like Damn. okay, let me just let me just I noticed that you said the N word, and I am the variety of black that doesn't allow anybody who's not black to say that to me. So mm. I can't dictate what you say outside of here, but in here, you're not going to say that. And it was yeah, fine. Yeah. Like they were cool with it, but it's just like, that's the type of stuff that you have to carry as a black therapist, that therapists of other colors, other races, other ethnicities, they don't really have to think about. Facts. Awesome. Awesome. I just had one question. Do you, yeah. do you find yourself like, do, do the teens that come in, are, is it typically like they reach out themselves or is it a matter of like their parents are reaching out for them? You know, I've had a mix, um, which also makes me really proud of like Gen Z yeah. slash these younger folks because they are better at being like, yo, I need help. But in the past, it's more often been parents reaching out saying, hey, my kid needs help or I've noticed these changes in my kid and I would like them to talk to you or talk to somebody Um, But I do have a couple of kids who were proactive, who reached out to me first and were like, can you email my parents or can you call them? Or where the parents were like, so my kid found you and wants to talk with you. Mm. Um, So it it really is a bit of both. I have a question to kind of piggy off, piggyback off what Dooley asked. Um, So when it comes to like 
uh, kids reaching out to you? Like, I know for us, like, I really didn't know anything about therapy until I got some insurance through work and I became an adult. And, you know, they plug people in your network. Yeah. You can reach out to whoever. So if you can, for, like, the younger generation that doesn't have that, I guess, level of accessibility, are there any resources you can plug to them to kind of let them know, like, hey, you know, this is something, even if it's, like, something like a Google search or something like that, how yeah. do... How do the younger generation or the Gen Zs of the world kind of like reach out for help? Definitely. So to your point, and I think that's also a big part of like why I do the work and like why I'm even pursuing um, a doctorate degree is to shift that, right? Like their mental health care shouldn't be inaccessible. Um, It shouldn't be so hard to get it. And it is really difficult. So in terms of a Google search, what I often um, tell people if they're looking for services and insurance is a, is a, um, a barrier, um, to look up clinics, free sliding scale clinics in your area. So like where I work at the Family Institute, um, we have a clinic called the Betty Harris Clinic and you can see someone there for as low as $5 and for as high as $75. And actually, I think that due to the pandemic, um, I'm actually like 93.7% sure that all the fees have been waived for the pandemic, which it should have been anyway, but that's another story. Right. Um, so that's always a resource looking at universities because um, when you look at universities and other training institutions, the students there have to get their hours, the students there have to practice. And so that's typically how you can get those low cost therapy services. Um, So looking up low cost clinics in your area and then also looking up training institutions in your area and see if they have any clinics in themselves. So like again, Northwestern has one. Um, I think the Chicago Professional School also has a clinic. Um, I know UIC has a clinic, but I'm not sure if their clinic is accessible for students, for people who aren't students, I'm not entirely sure. But that would be the way that I would do it, looking at those Google searches that way. Plug. Okay. Awesome. Plug this. You did. Right Thank away. you. Thank you for that. Yeah. I think I have, like, one last question. Um, and I think it'll speak to, like, the, the former me and, like, those who still have this, this feeling. But how do you combat the stigma of, like, I'm not going to go to therapy because I don't want to seem weak or, like, mm-hmm. Or because I don't feel comfortable talking to strangers. Like, I don't want a stranger knowing about my life. That was me. Totally. So I have a couple of thoughts about that. Because one, I think, and this is this is going to sound a little fucked up, but, like, as a person of color, I always think that we should seek out therapists of color. Mm. Um, I will say this, like, like, a therapist is better than no therapist at all. So, like, if you cannot find a therapist of color, like, I think it's still in your best interest to attempt to find a therapist, period. But I think that's one of the things that can help with that barrier of the feeling of talking to a stranger. Um, because when you talk to somebody who doesn't look anything like you and who's going to have so many questions, like, I'm also going to ask you to tell me about your family, right? I'm also going to ask you to tell me what it was like to grow up in your home, But because I'm black, because I also grew up with a lot of other African people and I was at their Mm -hmm. houses and I know what that's like, there's just a different level of um, understanding that comes across. Even if like, like my therapist is an Indian woman. So like, she's not black, but there's still a level of understanding that she has for me and my situation simply by being a woman of color. Can I just Um, jump in and say that that's not fucked up at all? 
I just want to put that. Yeah, yeah. I don't I think mean, that's it's logical. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think that's fucked up at all. I think that's that's smart. But continue, continue. Thank you. Yep. Um. So yeah. So I definitely think that's one of the things to think about first. Um. And I also like when people come in and they let me know that they're apprehensive or they're nervous. Um. I kind of name that at the forefront. I am a stranger. You don't know me. But the goal of therapy is to build a relationship so that we are no longer strangers. Um, and like, I think this is what's come up for me as be being a black clinician trained in a predominantly white field. Um, there is this concept of being like a blank slate or a blank screen where like, I don't really show much of myself. I don't share much of myself. There's this um, concept of self-disclosure, which is where I might share something about my life. And in my training, I was heavily asked to not do that. Like they're like, do not self-disclose, only self-disclose if you need to, et cetera, et cetera. But what I found in working with children in particular, and then also working with folks of color, um, if I don't disclose things about myself, then like, how are you going to trust me? Yep. How are we mm -hmm. going to build that relationship? So no, I'm not going to tell you the inner workings of my life. And I'm not going to tell you that I got into a fight with my mom the other day or any of that. But I might share with you that like I shared a similar experience or this is what happened to me when I was in graduate school, if I'm talking to another student in grad school or whatever. Um, so just like, again, the goal is to build a relationship. The goal is so that you two don't stay strangers. And if you can go into it with that mindset, it can make it a little bit easier to be so, it can make it a little bit easier for you to open up because your goal is to build a relationship. Um, and then with the weak part of it, I challenge you to think about what weakness is. Mm. Who taught you that it's weak to advocate for yourself, to ask for help? Because personally, I feel like it's weak to not ask for help, right? Like if I have a boss, and they're failing at their job, do I want them to keep failing and trying to figure it out, leading me, or do I want them to ask for help yeah. so that they know what they're doing so then they True can help story. me? That's a fact. And so if you can frame it that way, um, I think that can be really powerful in shifting your perspective and reframing what it means to actually seek out help. Who taught you that it was okay to not ask for help? Mm. That's a bar. Yeah, a bar, for real, for real. No, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And I think that's the stuff people need to hear because there's entirely like too many negative stigmas in our community, like regarding asking for help or like your own, you're in your own head as far as like what makes you weak and all of that. And it should be based on like movies. Yeah, facts. <laughs> right. It'll even be based on real life. Cause like if you're an actual human living your life, you'll see that you cannot do anything by yourself. Mm. Legit. Real shit. You don't even like cuddling yourself at night. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like, you need somebody else with you, like, type shit. You feel know I me? Mean? Like, so that's just, that's just my take. Christian, I really, really do appreciate your, your, your take on everything. And yeah, one love. We, we really appreciate you yeah. taking time out your day to talk to us. Um, gave us a lot of insight. Um, you dispelled a lot of myths. I really like what you said about, you know, who kind of taught you what's weak and what's not and kind of like reevaluating what that means to you. And, um, we appreciate what you do. You know, I think there's a lot of youth out there that could benefit from therapy. Um, instead of kind of taking that energy and putting it somewhere else, just kind of releasing it into the world. So yeah. you're, you're, you're a godsend and we appreciate what you do. And I'm sure all your clients probably love you. So thank, thank you. you. We appreciate thank you. Thank you. And to help I you get some more. Sorry. To help you get some more clients, um, where can people find you? Is there a website? Is there contact information? 
Yeah, um, you can email me. I'm think I feel like my Psychology Today profile is not up anymore, so I need to double check that. But you can email me at my email address, chrishanecmh at gmail.com. So that's C-H-R-I-S as in Sam, H-A-N-E, C as in Cunningham, M as in mental, H as in health at gmail.com. You take Blue Cross Blue Shield? Yes, Blue Cross Blue Shield, PPO. Okay, 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 right, right. okay, okay. Yeah. So once again, thank you, Christine. Thank you. Love we you appreciate to you. Love you to thank death. You. Appreciate you. All right. Love you both. Hopefully we can see each other soon in person when we're out of this parking lot because this is trash. <laughs> if you get the Johnson Johnson, don't come by me though. Same. Listen, I'm getting that Same. at all. I'm not getting that at all. No. No, 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 no. It's Pfizer or nothing. You feel me? Oh, this is crazy. Thank you again, Christine. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Cheers. Women's History Month, a lot of people wonder, like, when did this start or, like, what is it really about? Like, why don't men get a month? But I think <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it's key that we, we really, really, like, take time to highlight, like, our women. You know, like, my mama is the strongest, like, person, not even just woman, that I've ever seen in my life. Like, the things that I see her... Uh, what is it put herself through like having to raise kids be a wife still be an independent woman like so I, I think we don't highlight our women enough like we don't give them the, the equal pay that they deserve we don't give them the attention that they deserve we just think like they're supposed to be there so like before we give you know some history into women's history month like bro how do you feel about this month or just about women Man, women are the backbone of society. Like, literally, like Pac said, man, like, you know, you wouldn't be here without a woman. She raised you. You know what I'm saying? It's just so much that women bring to the table. And I think as men, um, we kind of take that for granted. Like, to your point, like, my mom is the strongest person I know. Like, (laughs) yo, she's a warrior, bro. Yeah, she's been through a lot. She juggles a lot of emotions. And I've only seen my mom cry twice in my life. You know what I'm saying? When my grandma died and uh, another time when my pops got sick. But besides that, like, through the highs and the lows, straight stone face. And even when I be feeling sad, she be telling me, like, you know, like, basically toughen up. Like, yeah, find, yeah. find a solution. Like, don't think about the problem. Find a solution. So, women are amazing. Um, you Shout know, out to all y'all. For man. real, for real. Like, I know sometimes we, as guys, we ain't shit. And we kind of take y'all for granted. But honestly, you guys are all appreciated. And this month is for you. Yeah. And with that being said, this is very interesting that the theme of this year's, uh, you know, Women's Month is like the valiant woman of the vote refusing to be silenced you know women basically reclaiming and claiming what's theirs um whether it's from equal pay to the the shit that we're seeing with the women's double uh double nca you know what i'm saying and how they're getting prison meals and don't have a real (laughs) weight room like i think it was only right that the theme of the month be like valiant women you know Mm -hmm. um Women's History Month went from being one day to one week to an entire month. Um, it was started back in February of 1909 in Germany. 
Um, it wasn't until 1977 that the U.S. finally adopted it. Um, and shout out to Jimmy Carter, you know, for him actually seeing the value of women. If you guys don't know his story, him and his wife, like, have done a lot, especially for, you know, Africans and the like, African-American community in um, the U.S. So it's only right that he was the one to put that into effect. But, yeah, it started out as a one-day thing, went on to a one-week celebration, and then blew up in 19, I think it's 78, where Congress finally put in, an, uh, what was it, a legislation that started March 8th to honor women for the entire month of March. And as you saw, like, we brought in two phenomenal women who are, you know, doing the damn thing. There's tons more out here in the world. One month isn't enough um, to really highlight the rock, like you said, you know, the rock of, of the world. You know, I think all guys should write a little future note today, today, ladies, and let March them know. March 1st every <laughs> year, boy. You know what I'm saying? Just, just let them know, like, granted, we understand all of the trials and tribulations we as men put you through and, you know, the world puts you through. But this this is about you guys, like, without y'all, like, nothing would, would really run. Nothing so. moves. So. <laughs> Nothing moves. So, March, great month. End of the quarter. Time for Q2. Q2. Whatever you planned in Q1, like you told me, it now is time to execute. Execution. Yep. Yep. We got, yep. We got what? Nine more months to, to really get shit cracking. We got a lot more in store for not your typical booty scratches. Gang. Gem House Studios. Come check it out. Book your recordings, book your podcast. Yeah. On to the next one, Brody. My dude.